Welcome to the Summit for Wellness podcast, where we help you climb to the peak of your health. And now, here is your host, Brian Carroll. I'm sure you've been to a store before and noticed all of the different supplements that they have available. And I bet you've wondered, what do all of those do for you? And do you need to take any of them? That is one of the questions that we're going to be talking about in this episode. What's up, everyone? I'm Brian Carroll, and I'm here to help people move more, eat well, and be adventurous. And today I have Sean Wells joining me to talk about nutraceuticals, their importance, and which ones to use and how they are formulated. And we're also going to talk about different regulations around them and why some different nutraceuticals are pulled from the shelves and then converted into medications that uh, you can only get through prescriptions. So all of this will be in the conversation today. And Sean Wells is the world's leading nutritional biochemist and expert on health optimization and has counseled thousands of people on innovative health solutions. His new book, The Energy Formula, challenges people to live a more passionate, energized life by exploring keto, paleo, fasting, and supplements. So let's dive into my conversation with Sean. Thank you, Sean, for coming onto the show. Yeah, thanks for having me on, Brian. I appreciate it. Of course. And before we start diving into nutraceuticals and different formulation processes, I'd love to learn a little bit more about you, who you are, and what your background is. Yeah, I'm, I'm a biochemist, a registered dietitian. I'm known as the world's greatest formulator, formulated over 500 supplements that are out there on the market. I've patented about 15 ingredients, including T-Crene and Dynamine that are super popular in the market for energy. Uh, I wrote this best-selling book right here, The Energy Formula, that's been listed on USA Today and Forbes, and it was a bestseller in 14 categories on Amazon, a biohacking book. Uh, I've done documentaries, TV shows, podcasts like Ben Greenfield show. Um, I've, I've done a lot of cool stuff, like really well known in biohacking and in supplements and keto. Um, so yeah, that's, that's me and, and I've had a, an amazing career and I'm excited to be here. And when you're talking about 500 different formulations, what does that look like? Is that combining different ingredients or is it single ingredients or what is that exactly? Yeah, 500 products. So things that you would see on Amazon, uh, you know, things that you would see in GNC and vitamin shop and, you know, places like that. So actual products. So, you know, protein drinks, pre-workouts, fat burners, uh, energy drinks um you know brownies cookies uh protein bars all those kinds of things wow yeah that's that's quite a bit so you've covered a broad spectrum of stuff and um i i definitely want to dive into you know a lot of the nuances with supplementation and especially d the difference between um you know, some synthetic type of nutrients versus more natural type of nutrients. When you are creating supplements, is there necessarily a natural form or does it become something processed once you start trying to create a supplement out of it? Uh, there's, there's natural versions of ingredients, um, but there's also synthetic versions of ingredients. It just depends. Some ingredients are only available synthetically. 
some some are available naturally. Like if it's an herb, uh, then obviously it's naturally sourced. But to your point, I mean, you can argue about like how natural is it once you're extracting for a certain ingredient and you're using certain solvents. Um, you know, even if it's herbal and natural, like there's definitely some modification and, and chemical processes that are going on there that aren't necessarily natural. Um, so, yeah, but but to me, um, you know, I also think about like bioidentical, like if it's if it's the exact same thing that's out in nature but it's made more purely in a sense, like then uh, that's actually something I'm, I'm usually for. So a lot of the amino acids, for example, or things like creatine uh, that are popular are just pure ingredients that are made synthetically. Got it. And does the, the human body um, treat these synthetic nutrients the same as it would in a natural form? <clears throat> especially if you're getting a higher dose of it than you typically would find in a natural state? Yeah, that, that would be a complex answer. But you know, <laughs> by and large, I would say yes. But uh, it would depend. Like sometimes there are solvents that they're using or um, some of these uh, chemicals that get used in these intermediate processes when they're making these chemicals that these residues can hang around and it just depends like how well they're made. So uh, there can be a potential for some things that are not necessarily healthy to be there, uh, but it just depends on the company who's making it. And then another thing I would say is that in nature, it's not always about just the pure ingredient. We'll, we'll do research on the pure ingredient. For example, let's say caffeine coming from green tea. We know the benefits of caffeine. I've patented several other methylxanthines like theocrine and methylibrine and libreen and, and other ones. But caffeine has benefits. We know those benefits. But in green tea, there's also L-theanine, an amino acid that helps relax you and helps get you into a more focused state and kind of smooth out caffeine. And there's also a polyphenol called EGCG that's anti-aging and is a vasodilator, meaning it improves blood flow. And so when you have green tea, these combinations of ingredients that occur naturally have synergy. And if you're just using caffeine, you're not getting the benefits of some of these other ingredients. So on one hand, it's, I think it's, it's good to get something pure that could be synthetic. Um, but on the other hand, you're, you're missing out on, on nature's formulations, if you will. Right. So uh, to go along with that example of the green tea, if you see like a green tea extract or something similar, is that getting the same type of benefits as having uh, green tea itself? Or is the ex extraction process changing it a little bit? It's, it's changing it a little bit and it just depends what it's extracted for. Like if it's extracted for EGCG, extracted for caffeine, it just depends the level of extraction and what it's being extracted for. In that process, you're increasing levels of one thing and then thereby decreasing levels of other things. So, you know, in that process, like if you wanted a natural caffeine, 
that's 98% caffeine from green tea so that you can say it's natural, you're removing all the L-theanine and the EGCG. So it just, it just depends like uh, what the extraction is and how they're doing it. Got it. And this is why you have 500 different formulations because there's a lot of different purposes that these different extractions and stuff can be used for. So now we're starting to put the pieces together here. Now, um, I'm sure you've experienced it p before, and I know a lot of people listening have experienced this before as well. When you take something like a multivitamin, and then all of a sudden your urine is like a bright orange color, or maybe it has a certain stench to it. Um, uh, oftentimes that's nutrients that are exiting the body that came from that multivitamin. Is this an example of your body not being able to utilize all of the nutrients within that uh, supplement? Or what's going on there? Why why is all of that leaching out of the system? Yeah, so that gets exaggerated a lot. Um, but the reality of that is it's really just one B vitamin that does that in particular. It's called riboflavin. Mm. Um, and it's a B vitamin. And it's responsible for that uh, that color in your urine. And some people look at it like the way you're looking at it, like saying, oh, well, you're not using it. It's spilling out. You know, you're just peeing it out and you're wasting it. And some people look at it as like, oh, my vitamin's working. Like I only trust it like when my pee is bright yellow. Mm. It's kind of like there's an ingredient called beta alanine that's often used in pre-workouts that can give you a flushing, tingling feeling called paresthesis. And some people hate that feeling and won't buy any products that have this pre-workout uh, tingling effect but then other people feel like it's like they only know it's working when they're tingling and so I would look at it as um, it's more a question of I think it's better to have additional than not enough in my mind so it's not a bad thing that you have bright yellow urine there's no like negative downside to that Yes, maybe you're wasting a little bit of money, uh, so to speak, but it's it's hardly hardly much money when we're talking about B vitamins. Um, so to me, I think it's better to have more than you need your body handling it by excreting the additional than it is to have too little and not be able to to maintain your body's optimal processes. So speaking of too little, is there some at-home ways that people can recognize whether they are deficient in certain nutrients and uh, therefore they need more of those nutrients? Or is this stuff that people have to go to a lab and get some lab work done? Yeah, it is It is going to a lab and, and getting lab work done, but that's so easy now. Like it, it's literally you can work with your physician, like they send an order in, you go to like LabCorp, um, you know, or, or something equivalent to that. And like now there's like in any given town, there's like several of these. And if you're in a city, there's 20 of them that you can just run into. And uh, and it takes, you know, 10 minutes to get your your blood taken and you have the results like days later. So uh, and there's a whole portal where you can check it on your phone. And these things have like, you know, 10 X also because of COVID testing. So um, they're now everywhere. Like you can, you can do LabCorp and, and several other similar companies, but yeah, like it's, it's something you definitely want to look at is, is a nutrient analysis 
Um, you know, especially like if you've already looked at your genetics, you've taken like a 23andMe test and you've seen that, like, for example, uh, you might have an MTHFR uh, issue genetically. And that means that you can't convert folate from the typical dietary form or supplement form to the active form that takes several enzymatic steps to get to 5-methyltetrahydrofolate, also called methylfolate. Um, and so there can be an issue that could lead to uh, anemia. And so unless you've done that genetic testing, you don't know to supplement around that, to get these active versions of the B vitamins that are a little bit more expensive, but sometimes they're called active B vitamins, sometimes they're called coenzymated B vitamins or methylated B vitamins. But these are all like the active forms like methylcobalamin for B12, P5P for B6, um, you know, um, uh, uh, R5P for riboflavin, like some of these things um, would be, and 5-methyltetrahydrofolate for folate, um, those would be like the more active versions where you don't have to convert them in your body. And some people have issues converting them. So that could be a reason why sometimes these these multis might not be working as well as you hope. Got it. Now, uh, if someone does go to a lab and they're doing a nutrient analysis, is that giving them a good insight into um, uh, long-term nutrient deficiencies or is it more of a snapshot of a recent deficiency, like within a couple of days? It's going to be a more recent uh, thing, uh, more of a, a kind of current snapshot, but like there's other indicators of disease and aging that I would be looking at in the process. And there's three that I mentioned in the book that I think are super critical. Uh, it's going to be CRP, C-reactive protein, which is a marker for inflammation. Uh, hemoglobin A1C, which is a marker for glycation or blood sugar damage. And then lastly, oxidized LDL, which is a marker of oxidation. And collectively, those are going to give you, speaking of snapshots, like the, a true snapshot of like how you're aging uh, biologically versus chronologically and how you are likely moving towards disease because almost all diseases are metabolic in nature. There's only about 1% of diseases that are actually genetic. Most diseases are correlated to the poor health, the poor diet, poor exercise, and certainly we're seeing uh, elevated levels of insulin and blood sugar be correlated to all of that. So you know, maintaining lower blood sugar, reducing your insulin levels over time is going to lower inflammation, lower glycation, lower oxidation, lower uh, methylation issues, uh, keep your telomeres longer, improve your cert gene activation, like all this stuff we know related to aging and disease. That's a, that's pretty interesting. 1% of disease comes from genetics. Because I feel like uh, there's so many people in the population that are trying to find um, a reason for um, their disease or chronic condition. 
And a lot of people look at genetics, you know, thinking that's playing a huge factor. And there might be some factor in that. But like you said, lifestyle is a huge factor too, contributing to disease. Yeah, when I say 1%, it means like one that you're born with, like you can be born with this disease. But like, there's certainly predispositions that we see. But like, ultimately that doesn't mean a whole lot like you can have like a familial history and some you know genetic um predisposition towards cancer and you know the majority of the time you may never get it and it's not it's not even just diet and exercise some people that have bad diet bad exercise never get it um you know there's a lot to do with just happiness uh there's there's data around happiness and relationships quality relationships uh, there's data with longevity uh, that's related to grip strength and, and how strong you are and how well you can move your body throughout your life. Um, so, you know, there's a lot of factors, but ultimately, my point is that most diseases uh, progress um, and damage is done to our bodies uh, largely due to metabolic dysfunction. And we're seeing mitochondrial dysfunction be a big piece of that and mitochondria are those little powerhouses of the cell that create atp so when you don't have enough cellular energy that atp for your body to run on it's kind of like not having enough gasoline for your car and your car is sputtering and clunking and you know burning out and you know there's smoke and pieces are breaking off and it's because you're pushing your car real hard and there's not enough fuel and it's because you're in an insufficient cellular energy state and you're insulin resistant. So you can't take enough glucose into the cell. And this is where either exercising and eating right is going to help or doing a ketogenic diet might help or doing intermittent fasting might help or working out might help. You know, some of these things that we know that could improve that metabolic dysfunction and ultimately that mitochondrial uh, cellular energy gap. So that brings up uh, uh, an interesting question. As we age, um, do we become more efficient or less efficient at utilizing nutrients that come into our system? And uh, based on that answer, do we need more nutrients or less nutrients as we age? I think by and large you would say that we become less efficient um you know gut motility absorption uh, like the amount of hydrochloric acid in the stomach which activates like b12 and you know like all like our a number of gut microbiome um there's an important factor to aging called nad and we make a lot less of it as we age and we break it down faster as we age there's also, again, the likelihood that uh, with protein, you need to actually take a lot more as you age to optimize muscle protein synthesis, which means holding on to, to lean muscle. And so uh, the problem is there, again, it's related to um, insulin resistance and insulin sensitivity, which usually gets worse as we age. We, we kind of like lean more towards type two diabetic in general in our population, Plus, we don't have as much of the anabolic hormones like testosterone and GH and some of these hormones that would protect lean body mass 
So as we age, you know, we need more protein. And, you know, we see this in general, like we need more vitamins, we need more, uh, more everything, we need more uh, acid, we need, we need more water, we need more of these things, you know, barring that you're an athlete, that's a different situation. Um, but yeah, I would agree that that by and large, you probably need more as you age. But I'll say this too, is that our body is the great homeostatic adapter meaning that like whatever you're doing to it, it's going to be adjusting. So it could just be that like, you know, maybe as we age, we're just eating more of the same thing. We have less variety. Uh, we're traveling less. We're going to less restaurants. So, you, you know, and maybe the body is just a little bit more fixed um, than it is variable like when you're younger. Um, so there's definitely an element, there's something uh, that's called hormesis. That's um, an idea of like the more you challenge your body in positive, stressful ways, it's called eustress, like when a positive stress, the more you challenge your body, the, the stronger it becomes. It becomes more resilient. It's like taking, you know, your, yourself to the gym and, you know, working out with weights. You're going to get stronger muscles. It's a stress to work out with weights but you'll get stronger. So this is true of like, this is the idea of like cold plunges and, and hot saunas and intermittent fasting and keto. And some of these things can be positive stresses to the body, hormetic stresses to the body that help you adapt and grow stronger. And again, as we age, we might be doing less of those things. So if I was taking testosterone therapy, if I was taking a glucose disposal agent like berberine or metformin, if I was, you know, taking my vitamins, taking my protein, if I was doing cold plunges, if I was working out, going to the sauna, you know, doing fasting, would I experience decreased uh, absorption or utilization of nutrients? Maybe not. It's not necessarily an age thing. It could be a lot of what we do as we age. And so uh, to apply some positive stress to your system, would you look into potentially rotating different type of diets through your uh, your body, especially throughout the year as well? And then um, would you also rotate your supplement protocol, your own personal supplement protocol? That is the perfect question. And I love that question. Um, most people don't even think to think of that question. And I think the answer is yes. Uh, I think, you know, just like there's an idea called metabolic flexibility where you do the ketogenic diet at times. So you can use ketones as fuel and then you have carbs at times so that you can use carbs as fuel and you're not insensitive to either fuel. We used to be very highly variable because we went days sometimes without eating because we went through the winter and just had meat or we had more fibrous vegetables than we do now and we didn't have like coca-cola and a lack of exercise and you know we weren't eating six times a day like so it's a very different equation now where we used to be very flexible now we can just use glucose and we're becoming insulin resistant we're not even able to use ketones so that's where like the ketogenic diet comes in. It's not like the whole world needs it. It's just our fat selves here in the United States that need it. 
Um, but I love that that idea because I think that really relates to, you know, we're we're only meant to eat also during the day. You know, we weren't meant to eat at night. There's research on circadian rhythms um, uh, by Dr. Sachin Panda. So like, you know, like during the summer, it's longer days and, you know, maybe we're meant to eat more. And during the winter, we're meant to eat more calorie dense stuff and in shorter periods. So I think like, you know, we're meant to do longer intermittent fasts in the winter. We're meant to maybe have something like meat or, you know, animal, you know, in the, in the winter, you know, that would have been typical. It depends on your, your, you know, genetic descent. But then maybe during the summer, maybe it's like almost a more vegan diet, you know, like, well, in the winter, it's more carnivore. This is actually stuff that I'm exploring right now. So it's a great question. Um, it does depend on your lineage, uh, and it does depend on what your goals are. But I do like the idea of flexibility and doing different diets at different times and creating hormesis, like what you're what you're saying. And then I do do that with my with my supplementation, especially with things like uh, adaptogens, uh, which help you adapt to stress. Like I, you know, I might take rhodiola one month and you know uh, ashwagandha the next month, and and you know all of these things like. It can be that if you chronically take them every day, this is just like the idea of like exogenous, meaning outside the body, testosterone. If I was to get testosterone every day, my body stops making testosterone naturally because it says, oh, we got plenty. We don't need to make it. So if you're supplementing with something all the time, your body might say, well, we don't need to make this or we don't need to do this anymore. And you can almost become dependent on it. And this has actually been seen with an amino acid called arginine that helps with nitric oxide. They did a, a, a study where they supplemented with it and people had better nitric oxide release. But when they pulled it away, people actually like went worse than they were before mm. because their body stopped making it all together. And so it actually became dangerous and some people got heart attacks and stuff. So it's... You know, it's just, it's interesting. I do like the idea of flexibility, of variation. You know, I have like a hundred products in my pantry. So, you know, I'm just one of those guys. I'm just going to take so many pills here and there. And, you know, there's no, almost no rhyme or reason to it. It's just, I love the variability of it. I take some things now and some things later, and I don't take the same thing all the time. Yeah. How much of that is intuition? Like you feel a certain way on one day. So you look at your, Definitely. you know, hundred products on your shelves and go, you know, I think this would be helpful today. Yeah. hundred percent, hundred percent. Yeah. That, I mean, that's a phenomenal point as well. That's, that's definitely something I do. Like, you know, if I'm going to be playing sand volleyball for eight hours in the heat, uh, in Dallas, like, you know, on the weekend, like I'm going to be supplementing differently than if I'm, you know, working in my home office in the air conditioning uh, sitting in an office chair, you know, like, um, or if I'm feeling stress or I'm like, I'm going out in crowds, uh, you know, I might take things that bolster my immune system or, you know, whatever, like it, it, there's definitely some intuition to it. And it certainly helps that I know a lot about these, but I do go through all of them in the energy formula, like literally like energy is experiment, 
uh, nutrition, exercise routines, growth, and your tribe. And like in each of those chapters, there is a formulator's corner uh, where I go through all the supplements. You need to know the forms, the doses, the brands, uh, all that kind of stuff. So, yeah. Perfect. Well, uh, I have a couple questions left for you. And obviously, it's going to be bio-individual, um, the type of nutrients that people uh, may need in their diet. But are there some really common nutrients that you've seen the majority of people need more of? Mm, nutrients that are already... Um that you're like vitamins and minerals that you're already supposed to be taking. Um, just if people went and got tested today, they would probably be deficient in, let's okay. say, I don't know, vitamin D maybe. Okay. Yep. Yep. No, I, that's, that's dead on that one right there is dead on. So, um, easily over 75% of the population is deficient in vitamin D. Um, Especially if you're someone that doesn't get outside, doesn't take your shirt off or, you know, like doesn't get down to your shirt shorts and I mean, get near naked as you can. And the darker skin you uh, you have, like the more melanin you have. So if you're a person of color, especially like a darker skinned African-American, you have an extremely high likelihood of being deficient in vitamin D. Basically, you know, yeah, it sucks if you're really light skinned that you tend to burn easily, but you also tend to get a lot of sun real fast and you can get a lot of vitamin D. And when you're one of these people that like you can't burn ever, I mean, that's that's a nice bonus, but you are really resistant to creating vitamin D in your system. So the problem is that, um, you know, if you're talking about like a you know, black male that's wearing, you know, winter coats and is up in New York City. I mean, there's like a 99.9% .9 chance not getting enough vitamin D. And here's the problem. Vitamin D is so critical. It's way more than a vitamin. It's a hormone. And hormones affect all the other hormones. It's called the endocrine cascade. So we see that vitamin D affects not only bones like we originally thought, but the immune system like you're hearing about now with COVID, uh, depression and anxiety, obesity and insulin resistance. I mean, vitamin D3, uh, testosterone and, and sexual desire. There's so much going on with vitamin D that like I, I absolutely believe everyone should be taking 5,000 IUs of vitamin D3 a day plus k2 vitamin k2 to optimize it and get max benefits so that's one i definitely recommend another one kind of the same boat is magnesium almost everyone is deficient in magnesium it's one of the most important minerals uh, used in hundreds of processes in your body you probably think about it uh, again maybe with bone health uh, but it's involved in muscular contractions. It is involved in the immune system. It's involved in, in gut health and, and motility, uh, you know, feeling regular and all that. So there's a lot going on with magnesium as well. It helps you sleep, helps you feel more calm related to neurotransmitters. 
Um, so those are two massive ones that, yeah, a lot of people are going to be deficient in for sure. Magnesium and D3. Perfect. And then the other question I want to dive into is around uh, regulations of supplements. So a lot of times you can look at the back of a supplement and it might say something along the lines of um, these statements have not been evaluated by the FDA or something similar along those lines. Um, what what are the um, uh, regulations around supplements, who's the regulating organizations or companies, um, and let's talk about NAC and the issues NAC is going through right now. Yeah, so uh, regulations around uh, dietary supplements is not nearly as stringent to no surprise as uh, drugs would be by the FDA. The FDA does have purview over supplements and I would say that if you're a big supplement company, you're on the radar. If you're doing things like uh, sexual enhancement supplements or fat burners, you're on the radar. Uh, but by and large, if you're, you know, a smaller company, you know, you're, you're doing workout supplements, you're not using drugs in there, chances are there's just not enough FDA agents to really do a whole lot when it comes to supplements. So it's more, they're there, but it's more of like, you have to do something extreme to uh, have them come into the picture. So I look at, you know, supplement companies that have really good quality control, that have great brands, that have testing, that have been around for decades. You know, these brands like um, designs for health and thorn and uh, Zymogen and now and uh, Jero and uh, Nordic Naturals and Carlson's and Barleen's like you know these are like uh, Life Extension Foundation uh, sports nutrition brands like Dimatize and Optimum Nutrition like these are brands that consistently test out that have been around for twenty years that are, you know, quality brands that I would trust. And again, it's something I go through in the book, like all the, all the brands, all the watch outs, all the red flags, but like, those are, those are ones that I would, I would look for are brands like those. And, and, you know, can there be good new companies that you've never heard of that are only making one product on Amazon? It's possible. It's not likely. I mean, here's what I'll say is like, I've worked for a lot of companies and come in in those scenarios. And there's companies that are doing things the wrong way intentionally, but there's a lot of companies that just don't know what they don't know. They don't know to do what's called stability work, that a product has to test out at those numbers on the label for the full shelf life of the product two years later. They're not doing that stability work. <clears throat> They're not doing work on nutrient to nutrient interactions in the blending and having to put in uh, overages of certain uh, nutrients or work on the order in which they're added to the blend. Uh, there, there's just, and they're not doing the raw material um, quality control testing. They're just taking uh, the lab results from the ingredient supplier. And sometimes there's this dubious practice known as uh, dry labbing, where it just means that this manufacturer just typed up the results, never actually tested it, sends it to you and says, yeah, it's good. 
And if you're not like a big company that has the quality control that's testing these things and verifying these things third party, you don't even know. So you're just like, oh, well, it says it's good, so it must be good. So like this is like the stuff that you don't know what you don't know. And, and it's where I can step in and, you know, and help with those kind of things. And that's what these companies that are more exposed, that are that are larger targets, they're more concerned about. And they have departments of 10, 15, 20 people doing quality control, whereas a lot of these small brands have none. Yep, that makes a lot of sense. And then um, uh, when like the FDA comes in and starts removing supplements, so obviously uh, something got... Uh, you on their radar or got the supplement on their radar. Um, what what are some of the reasons why that would be? Is it dangerous to the population? Is it uh, potentially something that they want to patent and use that as a medication? What What's going on there? Yeah. It's it's frustrating and sad. Um, that's that's going to be the, the majority of where this is coming from. Like, uh, you know, Stevia was pulled from the market when sucralose slash Splenda was coming out. And they said that there was one lot in the entire world of all the production that was tainted. And so Stevia was banned for 10, 15 years and couldn't be used until the patent ran out on Splenda. Wow. Uh, there's ephedrine got banned. At the same exact time that Fenfen was hitting the market as a drug for weight loss, we all know ephedrine was incredible for energy and weight loss. Did it have the potential to be abused and have side effects? Yes. And for sure, some people died, some people abused it, but more people died using Fenfen. And, you know, there's just a number of these cases where it's stuff like that that's very frustrating that there's like a clear agenda, I'll say. Uh, and N-acetylcysteine is no different. Like they're now saying, oh, it was uh, some orphan drug back in the 60s. But meanwhile, it's been a supplement, you know, and it's been out for, you know, 60 years. And, and it's an amino acid that's natural that boosts glutathione which is the master antioxidant in the body can't can't be abused. It's natural. It's been used as a supplement, like I said, for at least thirty years, and and been out, you know, research wise for more than sixty years. And so, why is it leaving the market? I don't know. There's data now saying it's super effective with COVID. So, I don't know. I, you know, I don't have all the insight there, but, you know, sometimes I just say follow the money trail. You know, I hate to be that guy, but I mean, that's just the reality of the world we live in. Like there's there's people that that have influence and and people that want to make money and they don't like competition. So or, you know, or we'll see, like you're saying, N-acetylcysteine become a drug and, you know, like, oh, it's found to be effective. Let's make it a drug. It used to be a drug. Like, let's pull this paperwork. So, you know, it could be that. I, I, I don't know, you know, what way it's going. I don't have insight into it, but clearly it's not 
for the the love and the benefit of mankind. It's it's clearly something related to money, and I don't have insight into that. Yep. It's always sad when our health and our choices get put on the lines for the benefit of increasing profits, which is always a bummer to see. Agreed. Agreed. It's frustrating. Yep. Well, as we wrap up here, what is your vision of what healthy looks like and what do you do every day to reach that vision? For me, healthy looks like the the six ingredients that I that I mentioned in in the book of of energy formula, the acronym. Like it's you know the first chapter experiment, the E in energy. The first E is about testing and bio individuality that you mentioned, and understanding your genetic variations, understanding your blood work, and what that looks like, and how to explore that. Uh, because, you know, like we're saying, like all these supplements, all these diets may not work well for you. It's, you know, that's where you need to understand your individuality. Uh, the next chapter is nutrition. And, and I do keto, paleo and intermittent fasting. That's what works for me. But I also go through things like Mediterranean, vegan, carnivore, all those kinds of things and, you know, explore what works for you. Uh, the next one is exercise. I definitely uh, move weights and heavy stuff, but I also like to do this new research called exercise snacks, which I cover in a hidden chapter that's on uh, energyformula.com that you get free when you buy the book. Uh, there's all this new data that actually shows that, um, yeah, it's great that you move your body for one hour a day in a workout or going to a spin class, you know, going to the gym, whatever it is, but it doesn't undo all the sedentariness of what you did the other 23 hours of sitting at a chair, sitting in your car, laying down. So what they're finding now, it's more effective to your longevity and to disease that you move your body like once an hour for like five minutes, whatever that looks like. Do some push-ups, do some sit-ups, do some air squats, you know, run around in the yard, like whatever it is, move your body. And they're finding that's actually more effective ultimately. It'd be great that you do both, that you go to the gym and find a way to move your body every hour. That's something that that I've worked on. Uh, and then routines. I mean, understanding circadian rhythm, having a dialed morning routine, that's a huge part of my day. And then, and then learning how to have good sleep hygiene and going to bed at the same time every night, making the bedroom a sleep fortress that revolves purely around sleep and making me relaxed and putting me in a position to fall asleep easily. Uh, and then growth is, you know, all about like nootropics, which I get into the, these brain boosting uh, compounds, using things like MCTs, um, doing fasting, uh, doing things like, you know, reading books and podcasts, especially ones that focus on resilience and stoic mindset, the, the obstacle is the way. Uh, that's really important. That's kind of like hormesis for the brain. And then lastly is your tribe. And that's something that I think is just, it's the most important thing. The Harvard study uh, that's over 80 years running, that's involved thousands of people. The number one predictor of longevity is quality of relationships. So that's a massive one that you have purpose, that you have connection, that you have a network, that you're talking to people, that you're interacting with people, that you're hugging people. You know, this is so important. And on the flip side, we found loneliness is, is one of the top killers. 
it's associated with much shorter lifespan. So, you know, that's what I'm doing every day. And, uh, and I'm happy to be here and, and happy to support the summit for wellness. Awesome, Sean. Well, that's a great lead way into the book. If people want to get it, I'm assuming it's on Amazon or anywhere people can get uh, books at, um, you also have energyformula.com and seanwells.com. Uh, the book is awesome because like you said, Let's say today you want to focus on growth. You can just flip to the growth chapter and go through some of the exercises in there. So having that uh, that book in your hands and being able to flip through chapters is is great. So yeah, and it, and it's full color front to back, and there's there's tons of like uh, diagrams in it, and um, you know it's it's uh, there's like these surveys that are throughout you know here's an example right here of like formulators corners uh where they go through the supplements and it's uh it's just here's you know the surveys the tests that you can take and there's chapter summaries so yeah it's it's one of those things that there's tons of like little bits and pieces that you can grab here and there you don't have to read it front to back like on one sitting uh, there's just tons of information in there that you can grab anytime. Perfect, Sean. Well, thank you so much for coming on and you know chatting with us about nutraceuticals, kind of the process around them, and uh, what to be looking for to get uh, good ones for your body. Thanks, brother. And uh, anyone can follow me at Sean Wells, S-H-A-W-N, on Instagram. And if you have any questions about what we talked about here, you can always uh, DM me there and I'll answer your questions. I hope you were able to learn something from Sean Wells and how to apply the energy formula to your own life. And it's definitely interesting to hear how some supplements are pulled from the shelves and then a couple weeks later, a medication utilizing those same uh, structures of that supplement are then released. So we can speculate all we want. I guess we'll never know for sure the reasonings behind that type of stuff, but it definitely makes you want to question what is happening behind the scenes. Now, in my next episode... We're going to be talking about anxiety and different things to do for your brain. So let's go learn about Carol Garner Houston. I am here with Carol Garner Houston. Hey, Carol, what is one unique thing about you that most people don't know? Um, most people don't know that I had such a strong fight or flight response of anxiety when trying to speak in front of others um, that I would stutter, my face would become all splotchy and red, and I would freeze consistently and my ideas uh, would not flow until I started to you know, look at the nervous system through the polyvagal lens and started doing all of this work. And now I can um, do podcasts and I can do interviews and presentations. And that accelerated maturity of what I can control allows me to access more of my gifts that I want to share with others. So um, that is something that most people don't realize after listening to a podcast with me. And what will we be learning about in our interview together? You'll be learning about where anxiety, where does the anxiety response come from and why anxiety is on the rise. We will also uh, teach how to begin to shift out of that fight, flight, or freeze mode and access neurological calm with easy strategies you can do at home. You can also learn what is available when a deeper reset of the nervous system is needed to treat the root cause of your anxiety. And what are your favorite foods or nutrients that you think everyone should get more of in their diet? 
Um, I, I love my crunchy wasabi peas at the desktop. I love that. Um, I'm not sure if everybody needs it, um, but uh, definitely the olive oil that I use and I put it in all the food. I even cook my eggs in it. Um, all of that is packed with different health benefits that's really easy to roll into your day-to-day -day life. It's an anti-inflammatory, antibacterial, heart healthy. So um, olive oil. And again, I'm also a big fan of magnesium. And what are your top three health tips for anyone who wants to improve their overall wellness? Get at least eight hours of sleep each night, ideally between the hours of 11 p.m. and 6 a.m. Uh, to get outside as much as possible for the natural sunshine hormone of vitamin D for your immune system and your state of mind. Um, and also put limits on your artificial intelligence and technology that can intrude your existence. This episode will definitely be important, especially right after the pandemic that we're going through, because a lot of us now have anxiety and a lot of different mental health uh, struggles that we're going through. So uh, until next time, keep climbing to the peak of your health.